This morning we read from Mark 13, verses 28 to 37. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that He is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Take heed, keep on the alert. For you do not know when the appointed time will come. It is like a man away on a journey, who, upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming whether in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. Thank you, David. Good morning. I just need to take a minute here to uh, do a little pre-sermon stuff. Just need to sweep up a bit and uh, need to sweep up the mess of the last two weeks of teaching out of uh, Mark 13, the, the lives that have been destroyed in their faith, trying to understand if they can actually hold true to the Word of God and all that's going on. It's been a real mess. I had to call the Temple Institute in Israel. They're the group that has all of the people and all of the stones and and all of the artifacts ready for the next temple to be built. And I called them and let them know that Jackson said, uh, you should probably get a refund uh, (laughs) on those things. It's a challenging chapter, Mark 13 is. And it can be messy, and it can be confusing. But I hope you, like me, have really appreciated uh, Jackson's teaching. He's a good friend. I respect him very much. And he, uh, he brought, I think, a really good perspective um, into this passage. For many of you, you never had heard it before. Um, and so we were forced to dig in and go deeper. And that's good for us, isn't it, as followers of Jesus Christ? We're, we can become like the Bereans. And as the Word of God is taught, we search the Scriptures. And we go, what's the Lord really saying here? But I've appreciated the different perspective. I've appreciated all that's been uh, coming. As Jackson taught his teaching, he mentioned that uh, he feels most of this chapter was fulfilled in A.D. 70 with the destruction of the temple yet with implications and impact for the future. And again, that's caused me to search the Scriptures more. 
Last week, Jackson mentioned that, um, that he and I have a different perspective. And so I will share with you what that is, since he brought it up. So here's our different perspective. Jackson feels that the Ewoks from Star Wars, <laughs> he feels that they're cute, furry, little teddy bear-like creatures. However, I tend to believe that they're vicious carnivores. He thinks that they help the empire to serve as a symbol of the many alien races that were oppressed by Palpatine. But what Jackson overlooks in the Ewoks is that he missed the scene where the Ewoks had Chewbacca and Han Solo on a fire pit and they were ready to roast them and eat them for dinner. That's some of our different perspectives on Star Wars. But to Mark 13, let's look at that. So here's where I'm at in my study for the moment. Jackson says, uh, all fulfilled in AD 70 with implications uh, for the future. I think there's a lot in this passage that uh, speaks to AD 70 and the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. But I do think there is a break, that there's a shift. And if you look in your scriptures, let me show you where I think that is. In verse 24, I think is the shift to what we call the parousia, to the return of Christ, and that the Lord is changing some direction here. And this, again, just is where I'm at. And verse 24 speaks, But in those days, following that distress, so all of that tribulation that went before, the things that took place in in what I believe uh, were A.D. 70. But in those days, following that distress, then here comes the next wave, of tribulation. So I believe the prophecy is now speaking from verse 24 on about the second coming of Christ. I will say this, I'm not dogmatic about that stance. I, I don't think any of us really should be. They are challenging scriptures. And to really understand what was happening from 2,000 years ago and what the Lord was directly speaking uh, in this particular case is, is difficult. So Search the scriptures and learn and let the Lord uh, do what he's doing in your heart to teach you about what he's saying out of Mark 13. But let me remind you very clearly, just because you may have a different perspective from another brother or sister in this family, it does not take away from the center. We do not lose sight of the center. The center is Jesus Christ is Lord. The center is that he is our savior. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. The center is is that he's king of kings and lord of lords. The center is that his kingdom now reigns. And I thought Jackson brought that out wonderfully last week. We are now living in the kingdom of God, and we need to learn how to live that out. That's the center, as him as our Lord. And so let's not lose sight of that. The big picture of chapter 13 for me has an umbrella statement that I think could be placed as be on your guard, be watchful, be alert, understand what is going to be happening. Jackson brought out, be on your guard against your love for the temple. It was a beautiful temple and they were really drawn to the temple. It was part of their identity 
It was part of, of their life and, and where they were seeking to come and worship God. But they put all of their hope in the temple as though that was what was bringing them life. Be on guard against that. Be on guard against those who are going to come in and they're going to say, I'm the Christ. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one who has been promised. Be on guard against that. Be alert to these things. These are things that are going to come about in your life and you need to observe and realize what is false and what is true. Be on guard. Watch out. Don't be be deceived. There's going to be rumors of wars and Kingdom against kingdom and brother against brother. And so the disciples asked the question, and it's a very normal question in our humanity, in our flesh. In verse 4 of chapter 13, they say, Well, tell us when these things will happen. What are the signs? I want you to, to understand something about what the Lord's doing here. They asked the question, Well, tell us, give us the signs, let us know how this is all going to play out. And Jesus switches gears. Because it's not about when this is all going to play out. It's about living in the kingdom now. So he goes, watch. I want you to be alert to what's happening. When and how are not what I'm trying to get at. You as disciples, again, are missing the point. And weren't they all along? He's trying to teach them about the kingdom of God. Mark 1.15 says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And now he's playing that out. Here's what it's going to look like. Relationship with the living God through his son, me, Jesus. It's a new relationship. I want you to understand what it looks like. You continue to miss the point. So as I bring you Mark 13 and this teaching, I don't want you to miss the point. It's not about trying to figure out all the signs. It's being alert about what God is doing now. And that He's your Lord and follow Him and listen to Him and seek after Him. The question should be, in light of this prophecy of Jesus, how are we to live as disciples of Jesus Christ now, today? What does that look like for each of us? I've been telling you these things, Jesus says, be prepared. Well, what's He telling us to be watchful for? What's what's He really trying to get at? I think what the Lord's trying to say is, I want you to be a people who are alert and aware of the things of the kingdom. I want you to keep your eyes open to what God is doing. I want you to be spiritually minded. I want you to be eternally minded. Because God is working in the hearts of men, and I want you to see what He's doing. Be tuned in to what the Father's doing. The Holy Spirit is going to start to minister to you. Be tuned in to that, that type of thinking. You know, when I think of um, Ephesians 6, right? Ephesians 6 is real clear. And this is being spiritually minded. It's being God-minded about the things of the Lord. Hey, don't you realize that this battle that's going on? You know, you guys may be in a fight with somebody or there's just some really hard things going on. Don't you realize, the battle's not against flesh and blood. There is an enemy out there who's just wanting to destroy you. Don't you realize that? Hey, you marriages out there, my marriage included, don't you realize the battle's not against your spouse? There's an enemy who hates your marriage. Start to be spiritually minded. 
kingdom of God thing. Start to get the bigger picture about what your marriage is all about. A reflection of Christ's love for His church. I want you to be kingdom-minded. I want you to be alert to the things of the Lord. I want you to understand and have your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. The King of kings is at work and He's breaking into the hearts of men. I want you to be part of that and aware of what's going on. I don't want you to be confused. I want you to understand, in this life, you should expect tribulation. You should expect trial. You should expect God's judgment and His grace as well. And so we count. 95. 96. 97. 98. 99. 100. And what are the next words? Ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. Jesus wants us to be ready. He wants us to be ready for what He's doing in this world, in His kingdom work. He wants us to be alert because He is King of kings. And He is coming. Right now we live in... In our, in our world, His kingdom is at hand. It's broken right now, this mess, right? It's going to be ultimately fulfilled. We see dimly right now, don't we? It will be fulfilled in His second coming. And the Lord's teaching His disciples, and I think He's teaching us, let us be ready. So let's pray that. Father, I just pray that Your Scriptures, as they teach us to be alert, to be aware, to be seeking after Your kingdom, Father, we want to pray like you taught the disciples. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. May that be truly our daily prayer. May we be ready for you and what you have for our life now. Living in your kingdom now. And so, Father, minister to us again. I just pray that the, uh, the, the difficulty of this passage will that you'll just make it simple for us to grab a hold of. It's not about trying to figure out all the end times and, and what that looks like, but about living for you, living ready and expectant. So minister to our hearts this morning, I pray. In your precious name, amen. How do we as disciples live now in the kingdom of God in light of what he's prophesied in Mark 13? One of the things and this is just being good students of the Word, and you guys are, is as you study this passage, what I hope you've been doing, I hope you've been going over to Luke 21, which also teaches about this this same passage, and also into Matthew 24. It's all what's considered part of the Olivet Discourse. It's it's the teaching of Jesus that he had on the Mount of Olives, uh, responding uh, and making these statements about the end of all things and what this might look like, what uh, the tribulations might look like, and prophesying about the destruction uh, of the temple. So take a look at those three passages so that you're good students of the Word. It's like, it's like reading the different accounts of, of the resurrection of Jesus and getting the big picture of what was happening on that day. Um, so do that as you study this. You have to, to be good students. So verse 24 says, 
In those days following that distress or that tribulation, again, I believe that's where one of the shifts is that, that moves into uh, the end times when Jesus will return. Following those tribulations, the ones that are going to take place in A.D. 70, the destruction of the temple, there's going to be more that the Lord's going to do. His judgment is going to come. His authority is going to be played out. God's grace is going to be poured out as well. Preparing for the second coming of Jesus. You see, the earth isn't just going to be shaken, but the universe is going to be shaken. Verse 26 of chapter 13, And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and with great glory. Let me read Revelation 1. To Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins. Isn't that the good news of Jesus? By His blood. And He has made us, listen to what He's made us, a kingdom, priest, to His God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He is coming with clouds. Every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him. All the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. And even so, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and was, who is to come, the Almighty. So what is the one who is the beginning and the end? Trying to teach us in Mark 13. He says, I want you to learn the lesson or the parable from the fig tree. We've been looking at fig trees all throughout the scriptures. And in Mark, we saw the fig tree. Remember where Jesus, he cursed the fig tree and it withered? And as we studied that passage, one of the things that we discovered is that the Lord was using the fig tree as a symbol for Israel and its temple. You see, there was supposed to be life from you. There was supposed to be life and forgiveness in the temple. And it was supposed to be where people were drawn to so they could have relationship with God. And it's been nothing but death. And it will no longer continue this way. There's going to be a whole new covenant, a new relationship with God. The temple is going to become obsolete. It's a magnificent temple. The disciples really liked it. They were enamored by it. And so were millions. It was a beautiful structure. But again, identity, everything that they were longing for, they were looking, putting their trust in the temple. And the Lord withered the fig tree, saying it's not going to be that way anymore. Well, in this chapter, in chapter 13, you go, well, is he, is he making reference to Israel? Look at the example of Israel. Look at the parable of Israel. Well, I've got to say, in context, I don't, think, I don't think that's what he's doing at all here. I think he's on the Mount of Olives. And there's olive trees there, obviously, but there's also fig trees. And I think he's just using what's right in front of him to teach a lesson. Here's the truth about fig trees when they start to soften and when they start to bear their leaves, we know that summertime is coming. Period. That's just a sign. So look for that. When, uh, when we were about to have our second child, uh, Joshua, 
we went up, uh, we went up to uh, New Meadows, and uh, we went up uh, with Greg and Laura, Alexander, and, and the kids. They had they had uh, several of their children already, and and we had Caleb who was young, and then Joshua was due in about a month. And we were up in New Meadows, and uh, about two in the morning, Kena's like, "Oh no." I'm like, oh, no. What does that mean? And she goes, I think my water just broke. I'm like, what, what, how, what, what do you mean you think, you know? <laughs> what do you, well, what happened is with, with Caleb, we just went to the hospital, and they broke her water there, you know, in the hospital for the baby. But with Joshua, apparently, you know, we were going, did her water break or not? And so Laura Alexander, who had several kids and, and had that experience, Laura, Laura comes, we're like, Laura, you know, what's going on? <laughs> and Laura comes down and, oh yeah, your water definitely broke. Now, I don't know about you guys, but here's the deal. That's a sign, like the baby's coming. <laughs> There's no like mystery about it. Baby is coming. Ready or not. Here he comes. And he came out quickly. You know, this is what the Lord, I think, is doing. He's like, I want you to understand what I'm doing here. I want you to to be prepared for the work of the kingdom of God. I'm not trying to confuse you. Here's something you've got to understand about the disciples, right? They were wonderful men. God gifted them, used them for his kingdom. But let's be honest, they weren't highly educated guys. Do you think the Lord's going, let me just trick you about what the future is going to look like. Let me just make all kinds of mysteries so you have no idea what I'm doing. I don't think so. I mean, for us, again, 2,000 years later, not totally grasping where the Lord was going with his disciples here. I don't think he's trying to make it that confusing. And again, the big picture is not about, not about, oh, when's this all going to happen? How exactly is this all going to play out? It's, it's understanding that the Lord is at work. And there will be some clear things to you to know, hey, the Lord's at work here. Be part of it. Step in. Don't be afraid. Because this is what God's doing in your midst. The kingdom of God is at hand. Be aware. Learn. I want you to... And look what he even says. This is what you just can't... You can't miss any... And he says it earlier in the chapter as well. He says, I want you to, I want you to get this. I want you to understand... Here he says, I want you to learn the lesson. So again, he's not trying to trick them. And I don't think he's trying to trick us and trying to f- figure all this out. Learn the lesson. It can be learned. And so we study and we look at the fig tree. See what's happening. When this starts to happen, you will understand he is right at the door or it is right at the door. And again, I believe that's speaking to the parousia, the return of Christ. When you start to see these things, it's going to be right at the door. It's signs of the end. Jesus is coming soon. Now, the Scriptures go on. And again, it gets, it gets even a little more for us, uh, a little more challenging. When you see these things happening, you know it is near, or He is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. 
So this is another part for us that, that is just challenging to understand. Who is this generation that will not pass away? You know, I was, I was doing uh, just a study on, on the disciples of Jesus, so the guys who were with them. And um, I was wanting to find out, uh, I hadn't taken a look at this in a long time. I was like, when did they die? And so I just started to try to find, as best I could, when the disciples died. And the reality is a lot of these guys didn't get to see A.D. 70 and the destruction of the temple. They had died. Peter and Paul were around 64, 66 A.D. James, son of Zebedee, was, was executed by Herod in A.D. 44. Again, Peter and Paul were taken out by Nero. We, have, we obviously know Judas, uh, you know, took his life. Um, several of the others we don't totally know about. It's, it's hard to kind of trace. They, went, they all went and ministered in different areas, and it's hard to find exactly when they died. But they weren't necessarily around Jerusalem uh, when that all went down. And probability is most of them had died. Uh, John, we think John was still alive. And... Uh, but uh, he was uh, exiled. Or he was out of. If, he was either in Ephesus or, or out in Patmos. But you go, okay, this generation. You know, you're thinking initially like, oh, these disciples are going to see all this taking place. That's just where my mind went. And uh, the reality is, I don't think many of them were around uh, during that AD 70 destruction. So this generation, like, who's he talking to? What's it all about? It's an interesting word, it's genea, and it can mean humankind. Here's one of the things that a lot of scholars take it to believe. They believe it means race, and it can mean race. So, so then the text would be saying, not until my people, Israel, the Jews, my chosen ones, they're not going to pass away until all of this is fulfilled. And again, that's, that's an okay thinking to have. It can mean that. It can mean the disciples of Jesus in each generation. And so you go, again, when we're good biblical scholars, and as we continue to try to study the Word, we go, okay, what's the context? What's the context? What's the context? And so in context, it feels to me like the most natural meaning in this context is that Jesus is saying this generation means the generation alive when Jesus spoke these words. The generation alive when Jesus spoke these words. However, this is where, this is where it gets a little trying for us. If it's a generation alive when Jesus spoke these words, and the truth is there would be many in that generation who would be part of the, the tribulation of, of AD 70. It was an awful, awful thing that took place. But I think Jesus is, is laying out two major things. One, one thing that he's doing, but with two major acts. Signs of the end. The destruction of Jerusalem. The return of Jesus. Two parts of God's one act to reveal his kingdom. Two parts of God's one act to reveal his kingdom. That's the way I understand the scriptures of Mark 13. That he's speaking to the 
destruction of the temple in AD 70. He's also speaking to his second coming. All one big act to reveal his kingdom of God. I want to give you signs of what I'm all about. I want you to have the understanding that there's going to be these tribulations that are going to come through. I want you to have the hope in the return of Christ as well. That he's king of kings and lord of lords. So yes, that generation that he was speaking to at the time, many would see these things take place. The earlier scriptures in Mark 13 said, let those who read this understand what's taking place. So all the the readers, and then as they were passing on oral tradition of what the Lord had said, let those understand what's coming about. Jesus is giving prophecy about what's going to happen in AD 70, and again, I think, the future. The destruction of Jerusalem was a great tribulation, but it was evidence of the end times. He prophesied about it. It came true. He wanted them to know this was part of it. The generation saw that. The prophecy of our Lord fulfilled in that AD 70 destruction. So what's he going on to continue to teach here? And look at this. I tell you the truth, this generation certainly will not pass away until all these things have happened. They're going to see it. They're going to see it in AD 70, and then we wait upon the Lord in His second coming. There will be signs. Then he says in verse 31, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. One of the things, the reasons I believe that starting from verse 24 and going on to the end of the chapter, the reason I believe that it's speaking about the second coming of Christ, is even in the use of some of these words. Heaven and earth will pass away. What do we know that, that in Revelation that says it's about heaven and earth? It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. The old ones are going to pass away. I think he's given us a glimpse into what it's going to be all about. And Revelation gives us a clear picture. This, this old... Heaven and earth, it's going to be gone. New heaven, new earth, everything's going to be new. What a beautiful hope we have in the return of our Lord, of living in eternity with our God. It's all going to be new. And so we rejoice in that. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what does it? My words will never pass away. You can stand on my truth. You can trust my promises. All that I have said will happen. You can have hope in me. Not in the temple. Not in all these ones who are going to come and say they're the Christ. In me. For I am the Lord your God. You can trust everything about who I am. You can rest in that. Even in the midst of tribulation, which you're going to face a lot of. Right in the middle of that, you can have trust in me because I'm a living hope that you have. I am your rock. I am your salvation. Everything else is going to be destroyed. Everything's going to be wiped out. But my words will never pass away. My words bring life. They will never pass away. You can count on that. And so he reminds them, And then he gets into verse 32. No one knows about the day or the hour 
Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. You do not know when that time will come. Again, I I tend to believe that this statement in verse 32 is about the second coming. Because the, the, the way he states it to me just seems like such a, a much bigger event than, yes, AD 70 was significant, and it was a, an incredible tribulation. But the angels in heaven and, and Jesus himself, I think he's just speaking about his second coming. No one knows that hour. Stop focusing on that. That's not the point. I want you to learn to live in the kingdom now. I know in your flesh you want to figure all these things out. And again, every generation, Josh Kramer and I were talking about this just the other day, every generation there's someone who's, who's trying to land on a date and a time. And all these great, even the, some of these great theologians that we really respect, they're, they're trying to get a date and a time. And that they, quite honestly, they really go against the Lord on that. He's like, I don't know, you know, so why are you trying to figure it out? Again, I'm, I'm trying to teach you how to live now. I'm trying to teach you how to live in light of, of eternity and what's going on. And so he does that. And so he, he gives this example. Don't try to, to live it out. I want you to know how to live after I leave. So be on your guard. Be alert. Be ready at all times. You know when you go to Jerusalem today? And, and some of you actually just went on a, on a recent trip. But when you go to Jerusalem today, I mean, everywhere you look, there's a soldier with their Uzi. I mean, they are on the alert. They are prepared because they know. They know they live in times of tribulation and attack. They know that full well. There is never a time when they're not on alert. And so anything goes down. Anybody tries to, you know, take someone out. Man, you've got the military right there, and you've got their Uzis, and they are on top of that person in a heartbeat. For me, personally, it's one of the safest cities in the world. It really is. And I've traveled the whole world. It's one of the safest cities that I've ever been in. Because they're ready. They know what's happening. And I think the Lord's trying to get, would you open your eyes to the things of the kingdom of God and what's happening? Be alert. Be ready. And so he gives this illustration. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house, puts his servants in charge, each with his own assigned task. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Here's what you can't miss from that last little part of this passage. We are his servants. The Lord has given us kingdom responsibility. Are you living that out, truly? Are you living on alert, watchful to the things of the kingdom, knowing that the Lord has given you kingdom responsibility? You're to be ambassadors for Christ. You are salt and light. You're to be ministers of reconciliation so that people can know the love of Jesus Christ. Are you on alert to what God is doing? He leaves us each with our own task. Here's the truth, you guys, as followers of Jesus Christ. The Lord wants to use you. Remember like I talked a while ago, there is no plan B. You're it. He wants to use you for His kingdom. Be aware of what He's doing. So keep watch, eyes open to the things of the Lord. The truth is, He is coming back, 
with all authority. He's coming back as ruling king. He's coming back as righteous judge. One of the things that we need to keep watch of is our own souls. You know what's interesting to me? There's people all throughout this, this earth, this planet, and dear friends and family of ours, right? Who, they really just live life thinking that, you know what? There is no Jesus. There is no God who is a holy God. There is no Jesus who's going to return and place His judgment upon mankind. And that the judgment is going to be this. If you chose to love me and receive me as Lord and Savior, you will have life forever in me. Welcome to the family of God. If you chose to just say, you know what, to heck with you, Jesus, to heck with you, God, then God says, okay, my judgment upon that is I give you what you wanted and you'll be separated from me forever, eternally. You will go to what the scriptures call hell. And we make light of that. Keep alert to your soul. Don't just keep walking about life going, well, whatever happens, happens. God's calling you into a loving relationship with Him. A relationship that saves you from your sin. That forgives you, that washes you clean. Why do you keep rejecting that? Be on alert. Because the homeowner is coming back. And he's not kidding. Because his words will never pass away. What he says is true. And he's coming back. How do we live in these end times? Peter says this. Here's the reality. We, we live in times of tribulation and trial. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. I love what Peter said. Why are you surprised by these things? Jesus is saying, and I think He's teaching on the Mount of Olives, man, there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be trouble. This is the way of the disciple. The way of the disciple is through these things. And we think for some reason that we will avoid that, but Peter's saying, no, we rejoice in it because it's the way of Christ. And be expectant. Be expectant to go through that, and then there's going to be some big signs of my end-time work that are coming through. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter 4. And I always want you to have this chapter... Marked in light of a light of these teachings of the Olivet Discourse. And I'll finish with this. First Peter four, starting in verse seven. Because again, sometimes we go, Oh my goodness, what well, how are all the end times going to work out? What is it going to look like? And first Peter four, I just think, does a wonderful job of responding to that. Are you ready? Here's what it's going to look like. The end of all things is at hand. So how are we to live? Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of what? So that we can pray. The end of all things is at hand. Let us be a people of prayer that we are drawing near to our Lord and Savior. 
Let us get on our knees and call out to Him who is in control of everything. Let us be a people of prayer. But the end times are coming. Yep, be a people of prayer. The end of all things is at hand. And so here's what I want you to do. Are you ready? It's getting kind of crazy. Keep on loving one another. Agape love. Keep on looking for ways to enter into each other's lives with Christ's love so that they may know His love. The end of all things at hand. Pray. Keep loving one another. Then it says this. I want you to be people who are being showing hospitality. Remember what that means? It means to be a lover of strangers. That's what hospitality means. But it's the end of the world. Yep, pray. Keep on loving one another. Be a lover of strangers. I love what we're doing with Nick and Laura Armstrong as we're reaching out to this community. Refugees, those of different faiths. That's being a lover of strangers. Let's keep doing that together. And the last thing he said... End of all things at hand. Therefore, I want you to start using your gifts. Keep using the gifts that God has given you for my kingdom work. This is what he has for our lives. Not about the hour or the time. It's about living out the kingdom of God and being alert to what God is doing right now, right in our presence, with the person who's right in front of us. That's the word of God for today. Let's pray. Father, help us to be a watchful people. And Lord, again, this passage in Mark 13 is is challenging for us. I pray that it will never become a dividing thing for us, but it will cause us to just continue to seek your scriptures and through your Holy Spirit to teach us what you need to teach us through them. May we never lose the center, which is you are King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, that you are our Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the Savior of our souls, and we want to live for you, Father. And Holy Spirit, do your work on hearts here. We know that your kingdom is working. We know that you are working in the hearts of men and women. And Father, there are hearts here that have rejected you, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would come powerfully with your love and grace and and righteous judgment, but be upon them right now. May they see their their ways and be drawn to you. Father, we want to follow you in all that you're doing. And we want to say to you, we love you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name, amen.